A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name's Richard Porritt. I'm joined by Steve Anglesey. Hello everyone. Uh, in a little while we're going to be talking to Jerry Scott. She has got a bee in her bonnet about hard Brexiteers who won't listen to any evidence to the contrary of, uh, of what they believe in. So we're going to name and shame some of those. And then we'll be doing... That's all of them, isn't it, well, basically? Yes, it could be. It's going to be a long section. You might have noticed that this podcast runs for six hours. <laughs> we name them individually. <laughs> and then we will crown our Brexiteer of the Week, as always. And we've got some of your views on Brexit band names. Uh, so we will be getting to some of those towards the end of the show as well. But first... A Labour toughening their stance a bit on Brexit, Steve. Well, they, they, they seem to be. They've taken Brussels, haven't they? Well, Jeremy indeed. Corbyn's taken Brussels by storm. Yeah, yeah. Made um, a speech, didn't he, to the, what was it, the Socialists and Democrats? Well, friends. He called them friends and comrades. He calls he? everyone friends, doesn't he? Did he thank them for everything they've done? I imagine, he does. I imagine, imagine so. Imagine going to the shops with Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> and well, he, he buys a that... paper, thank you for everything you've done to the services of... It'd be an exhausting process. He's a nice man, though, isn't he? He seems to be. Well, I've never met him. Um, I've shouted at him a few times, but never actually met him. We shouted, oh, Jeremy Corbyn. I haven't shouted that at him. But there we go. Uh, Kia, as well, um, has said that Labour is not duty-bound to support any deal that Theresa May secures with Brussels. I just think that in the last few weeks, they've started to formulate more the kind of opposition to a hard Brexit, at least, that we, we'd been hoping for for some time. Yes, there's um, a bit of clear blue water, isn't there? Yes, or clear red water, as some of uh, some of Labour MPs like to refer to. Does that imply that Keir Starmer has had somebody killed, though? <laughs> in a, well, maybe. Like in Carlito's Way, off the boat. Clear <laughs> red water. Job. Or Jaws. Jaws. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. No, I don't think he does. I think there's a good. He seems too. Should... He seems too nice to be a cold-blooded think... killer. Yes, I think Kier Kier is a nice chap. He wouldn't. He wouldn't do that. He would. He would use dialogue. 
to sort out his he would. issues. Rather than clubbing somebody with an oar like uh, Sean Penn did in Carlito's way. Yeah. He, <laughs> he, um, he, on the Today programme, he said, the last thing we need is threats about walking out because everyone wants a deal. Now, no deal is... Is it a negotiating tactic? I think it probably is for some. But for others, I think it's a, it's an aim. It's a target, isn't it? I think... Hasn't... Hasn't Sud Liam Fox actually said this is a negotiator? We, of course, we can't say though, we can't stop saying no deal because it's it is a negotiation tactic. Well, I can see that, but I also think that some people on um, some Brexiteers think it should be the way to go rather than. Yes, I think that I think that's true. I think some of them actually believed in this, but the sensible ones, I mean, I'm even including Liam Fox in that thought that this was just something that they had to say from the start. So it's good news then because a lot of people are worried about no deal businesses and, and you know just the general public as we are because it is, it may be a negotiating tactic but it's also perfectly feasible that we at least spend some time on WTO tariffs which would, the, there was a report out this, this week, the Resolution Foundation found that it could cost a lot of us hundreds and hundreds of pounds extra every uh, every year. So it's good that Kia is is moving away from that and, and yes. saying very clearly that Labour has got a stance on this and I know he's been talking about jobs first Brexit and, and that sort of thing. Yes. Um but there's a there is a I mean I'm pleased with the way that Labour have started to There's certainly some motion on it which we Absolutely. which we were frustrated about only a couple of months ago, weren't we? Um I mean he seems to be saying and look there we'll talk about the amendments to the great withdrawal bill or whatever it's called now. Um Shortly, but that you know, there seems to be a that they will Keir will rally opposition to um, from both sides of the house to make sure that there is no no deal. Yeah. Um, and furthermore, he has said that he's not willing to Labour is not willing to accept just rubber stamp any old deal. Yeah. And that while you know while they um, while they support the the, the government's uh, attempting to. Um, drive down the, the divorce bill as much as possible. Uh, you know they, they they won't be they won't go along with a, a, a ridiculous uh, notion that we should walk away without paying anything or or walk away with paying very very little. So yeah. so it just it seems to be it seems to be reasonably uh, uh, it's progressing quite nicely. It does seem that for for once maybe there's been a grown up speaking to Brussels. Yes, that's right. Yeah, which is nice. At least, at least they they probably thought that we were all as bonkers as David Davis, and now at least they've met Kia, they they might realise that we're not all lunatics. Yes, that's right. And I mean, and Corbyn in his speech, which um, which is, I mean, it's only just happened, um, so I don't think we know the full details of it. But he seems to have set have led with this idea that Labour would oppose Britain being a. A, a tax haven, yeah. a, 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 a sort of remove all so kind Singapore of Singapore model. Exactly, get rid of lower the tax rates, try and drag investment in um, that way, and obviously try and take um, take business away from other European countries. He Clearly, also, that is a, that is also as well as there being no dealers, there are also Brexiteers who believe that that is the only way that this can possibly work. I think there are. Quite a few of those, actually. Boris Johnson is clearly one of them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, Blair. I think in the page of the New European, Tony Blair. Some you just ago, call him Blair, do you know? Just Blairo. Yeah. Blair. <laughs> TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're tight. Um, he well, he rang me actually to tell me. <laughs> <that> he, <did. laughs> he knew he was that Blair. <laughs> oh, 
Yeah, but he he said that at least if if they, if they were saying this is what we're going to do, then it has the potential of working. He wasn't agreeing with it, but mm. he said it, as a strategy, it might work rather than just leave. Um, and there have been some thoughts certainly within the uh, hard Brexiteers that that would be a good idea and a and a, and a successful route. Yes, um, I mean it wouldn't be terribly successful for the low paid in this country or the, uh, the people who were struggling with uh, with all kinds of other social issues quite possibly because it would shift us pretty far to the right I would imagine yeah but, it'd be a low wage presumably it'd be an extremely low wage economy it wouldn't be yeah. great for existing British manufacturing business would it either no, no no it'd be great for people who are already rich yeah and this is a Tory policy yeah potentially yeah it's good isn't it shock horror it is a shock horror <laughs> but wouldn't they be potentially rich people from other countries well, yes, but I think it would it would widen the gap between rich and poor is the argument against it, right? Or for or, it, or for it if you're if a you're, conservative. Yeah. Corbyn said that failure to reach a new trade deal with the EU would be catastrophic for British jobs, uh, and also accused Theresa May of presiding over chaos in the Brexit negotiations. I think that's probably fair enough, isn't it? Yes, I would have thought so. So that brings us on to the question, which leads into lots of other questions: Is this government now? In paralysis, because we've got no Brexit negotiations as far as we would have hoped. Yeah, unless there's an enormous shock at the, uh, you know, if Theresa May put something in their dinner, uh, maybe. <laughs> Rhypnol. Yeah, some kind of truth, <laughs> mind-bending truth drug where she can, which is, you know. Well, it would be an interesting meeting, wouldn't it? All the, tw- the heads of the 27 nations tripping out as that Theresa May be. gave a speech. It would make, yeah, it would probably make more sense. Although, having watched Theresa May's lead uh, speech at conference, yeah. I have to say, I wondered if someone had slipped something into my drink. Oh, uh, yeah, that would be great, wouldn't it? Mm. I hallucinated that she kept coughing throughout and a <laughs> unfunny man waved a piece of paper and then... You know, instead of the walls pulsing when you're on LSD, there are letters falling off the wall, I suppose. So maybe next year maybe I should Maybe it do... was all a hallucination. Maybe. maybe next year at Tory Conference I should do it on a series of different drugs, do a different drug each day. Each day. I think that's the theme of the next Conservative Conference, isn't it? Right, well, today I'm looking forward to trying to get those expenses claims through. Monday is Mogadon Day, <laughs> Tuesday is Valium Day. <laughs> yeah, um, lithium Thursday. So we've got no negotiations as such, really. No, um, beyond give you know how much are you gonna money you're gonna give us, which is a fair question. Yeah, um, we keep they keep asking that, don't they? And we haven't really got an answer <clears> for them. We haven't got an answer, and it doesn't look like we're gonna have one anytime soon. Yeah, uh, we've got um, the withdrawal. But let me get this right: EU open brackets withdrawal close, close brackets, brackets bill. bill. Nowhere to be seen. No. So that was supposed to be... They were supposed to be debating that next week, weren't uh-huh. they? And now... No? No. Why? Well, um, well, there's a very important discussion on robots, I think. Robots? And something to do with smart meters. <laughs> kind of robots? You call killer ones, I imagine. Like the ones in Blade Runner? It, I, I'm not sure. But it's but not. They're just but talking it, about robots. You'd imagine. They're it, do, no, they're doing it in robot voices. Theresa May's not going to take that well. She's going to take that personally, isn't she? She's going to think they're having a having a joke. It would and, be quite good if if there was a debate just on what was the best movie robot. The best movie robot. Yeah, I would I would watch that if that was PMQs. Well, who would when the division came? Who would you vote for? 
could be Roy Neary, couldn't it, out of the original Blade Runner? Mm. Or indeed Rachel out of the original Blade Runner, or Pris. I liked Rachel. And yeah. then May could finish with Time to Die. <laughs> Holding a dove. <laughs> anyway, what were we talking anyway, about? Anyway, uh, so Brexit is at a standstill, negotiation-wise. Yeah. The withdrawal bill... Is nowhere to be seen. Yeah, and the government's dodging opposition uh, day motions, which I'm furious about. Yeah, this is particularly disgraceful, isn't it? So what happened was there was a vote, wasn't there? On there was an opposition opposition day, which basically means that the opposition can bring forward some debates that on things they might want to speak about, so that yes. the government doesn't um, completely hold all the cards with what is discussed in the chamber. They want to speak about universal credit. I don't think we need to get into some of the problems around that but um, they had a big win of course the week before Jeremy Corbyn on the phone line Yeah. then in the afternoon before the debate the whip's office sent round text messages saying it's a three line whip and we expect you all to abstain Yes. so the motion they, they were hoping that there would then not be a division Yes. so when the motion is carried, the eyes and the nose, or, you know, you, you've got no opposition, you don't need to vote. So the Labour MPs were forced to oppose their own opposition day motion just in order to get the division so that the vote was, was yeah. actually recorded. It was recorded at 299 to zero. Yes, um, a good result. It's not bad, is it? Um, but at- it means... It doesn't mean universal credit will be paused. No, no it does doesn't. It? It, it's not a, these aren't binding votes, but that is the will of the House, as it stands, and the government will ignore it, of course. But uh, how will they bit. ignore the will of the people? Well, they would never ignore the will of the people. We're fully aware of how important the will of the people is. Well, the people elect MPs, though, so the will of the House is surely the will of the people well, as well. Well, it is, yeah. So they're ignoring the will of the people. I thought that was wrong. Well... It depends, doesn't it, whether you're going to be embarrassed or not by what happens on the floor of the House. This is what we've got. We've got a government yes. that is not willing to take part in democracy for all their bleating on about yes. the democratic will of the people. They actually don't want to partake in the in the way that Westminster works and has worked for a long time pretty well, I, I would suggest. I'm a fan of parliamentary democracy, but this is making a mockery of it. And worse than that, and I spoke to a Tory MP about this, who did abstain, but feels bad about it, because without opposition days, you are basically running a one-party system. system. Um, And the opposition might as well just go and have a meeting in the Red Lion. Yeah. It's disrespectful to the House. It's disrespectful to the people. John Burko got very worked up about it. He did, and rightly so. He was rightly upset about it. And then in business questions, when it was put to Andrea Leadsom, how is she still... How is she not leader yet, by the way? But she is leader of the House. She is. She simply said, oh, you can be assured that the government is listening. Right. But not in not, the They're not actually here listening. Yeah. A really extraordinary, saddening and angering display from Theresa May's Conservatives. And... Add that to the other, add that to Brexit, add that yep. to the withdrawal bill. And this is a government that can't do anything. Well, no, they seem to be, they're completely, uh, well, they're in stasis, aren't they? Let's just talk about the, these amendments and the fact that we were supposed to start debating this next week. Now, when, uh, they won't finish b- before Christmas, will they? No. They won't finish debating this before Christmas. There are supposed to be eight days of 
going through this line by line. There are 20 Labour amendments alone. There are, there are, I mean, there are over 100 amendments, aren't uh-huh. there, I think? I believe so, yeah. This is just, it's of vital importance. And then when Leadsom stood up, she said that there was nothing unusual about this. But they're clearly running scared. Yes. The Whips office presumably are trying to get people to take their Tories to get take their names off amendments or you know quash some yeah. amendments. Yeah. Um, There's but, a lot but the of main, things. But the main, the main amendments are are what against No Deal. Yeah. Which is the sort of Ken Clark, Tucker Amuna yeah. one. Well, list some of the others. So there are amendments including restricting these Henry VIII powers that everyone was getting aerated about. There are amendments um, about whether Parliament should have a final vote, obviously. Yes. There are, um, which they've already pledged to do, haven't they, in some way, but not hardened it up, and there are are, um, uh, votes about um, human rights uh, too. So there's an awful uh, amount of amendments um but no no seeming will to to, to start discussing them you know i, I don't know Keir what starmer said that, that you know this showed that there is chaos at the heart of government and yeah. and i think that that is that is absolutely right and i think a lot of that goes back again to the question of leadership you know who knows what might happen with regards to that but the the, the fact of the matter is that there's no clear leadership on brexit there is no clear leadership in the party. Yeah, there's no strategy, is there? Because they're all pulling in different directions. And then the, possibly the most powerful character in the uh, Tory party then is the chief whip. Yeah, what do we... Who is... The, so who is this bloke who is who has evolved this amazing strategy of it's an away fixture so we just won't go? <laughs> Let me introduce you to Gavin Williamson. Is he... Oh. Not here, is he? <laughs> He's not here. Thank goodness but for he that. does. He is the sort of character that would creep up behind you <laughs> with a large, <laughs> with a, a large mallet, or a tarantula, because he keeps a tarantula in his office. Does he? In fact, they, I, he, no one's quite sure how he got this. <laughs> keeps a tarantula in his office. Yes. Um, does he put it in his? Does he stroke it like Blofeld? Uh, well. It, it has been suggested that he does feed it while having meetings, particularly meetings where there might be some dissent, um, and he feeds it like live crickets. And really? Yeah, this is yeah, great. Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. The, the tarantula's called Cronus. <laughs> and, um, who is, what, a Roman god, a Greek god? Greek god who, I think, killed his, killed his father and ate his children. Good. I believe. Um, so that's a nice image. He seems, yeah. Well, I, he gave a, a fascinating. He's actually a fascinating character. He was on before Theresa May. That's right. So he gave a, he he gave a speech on the morning uh, before Theresa May's catastrophe um, in Manchester, <laughs> and it was like high camp sort of Hammer House of Horror style evil on stage, and he did raise a few sort of laughs. Semi Mandelsonian. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he, he did raise a few laughs, but they were kind of nervous laughs. He <laughs> certainly strikes fear. He's a, he, he's a Yorkshireman, actually. He's from uh, he's from Scarborough, well, and his parents you know, were Labour. His parents were Labour. You wouldn't know it to listen to him that he's a Yorkshireman. However, um, he is a fairly scary character and hugely ambitious. So I think we'll be hearing a lot more from um, from Gavin and Cronus. Um, how he Did got he... the spider past the authorities? Because you're not allowed pets unless they're guide dogs. 
yes, that there was uh, he, he, the the rules were 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 bent in that it would be in the in in its tank, I believe. Did he say it was his guide spider? Maybe keeps it on a leash. Maybe he said Darley um, style. In his speech, he said that the whips have always used the carrot and the stick, but he prefers just to use the carrot. And then added, "It's extraordinary what you can do with a sharpened carrot." That's quite a good joke, isn't it? It is a good joke, but it also conjures up some worrying images, doesn't it? It does. Um, yeah. So he, I guess, is the brains behind this abstention, and I think I think it's a bad move. I think it's a really disrespectful move. But what it does tell you is the ruthlessness of yes. this chap, and the whip, the Tory Whips Office will do anything, yeah, um, anything that they they possibly can. Uh, to get what they deemed would be the best result, I think it's probably exploded in their in their laps. Do, do we think they're going to do this on all the opposition days? Well, this is the question now. Uh, there are Tory MPs who think the opposition days are completely meaningless because they're not binding. Well, they and why kind of we, are a bit meaningless. Why do we they? they're well, part of the rules, aren't they? Well, I think it's more than the rules. They're part of. It's not cricket without the ability for yeah. for the government to be held to account on things and for. For them to have to be involved in debates on on issues that might be tricky for them, it's it's a huge part of how Her Majesty's opposition functions. Yeah. To take that away from the opposition completely seems like a very strange thing to do, in my opinion. Because one day it might not be soon; it might be a long time away. But one day the Tories will be in opposition again. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, let's see what they think about opposition days then. I think they'll be. I think they'll be in favour of them. I think they might be. So that's where we are with the Tory Party, and that scary image of that sharpened carrot. Yeah. Conjures up another scary image from this week. Yes. Wait a minute. Sorry, I've just got to get, carry on, Steve. Yes. So I, I presume you're talking about. Sorry, I'm just doing just running this. What is that noise? Well, I'm just running your bath. So, so I'm right. You're talking about Tim Loughton. That's right. He's going to be a guest on the pod. I've run him a bath. Yeah, he's here. We're waiting for him to jump in <laughs> any time now. I might just sink who in is, and wait for him. Who is Tim Loughton? Uh, Tim's a former uh, children's minister. Children's minister. Yeah. yeah. And um, he. It's just a shame that they don't do it wearing dungarees like children's <laughs> TV presenters. That would be great, wouldn't That's... it? And talk like. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> I'm the children's minister. It would be Hello, brilliant, my learned it? friend. <laughs> that's right, with lots of badges on. <laughs> yes. Yes. Maybe that's why he wasn't a particularly successful children's minister. Um, well, he was in the bath, wasn't he? Why was he in the bath? Well, it, it, he has admitted this week that he likes to spend an hour in the bath every day. Yeah. Um, as part of uh, a mindfulness regime which he partakes in. Yeah, he likes to meditate in the in the bath, and he also does a little bit of work. He reads the papers in the bath. I imagine he listens to this podcast in the bath. Yes. So, hi Tim. Hi. How are you? Do you bit... think he'd be very wrinkly, wouldn't he? He'd come out so wrinkly that you, Jerry Hall might marry you. He says that it helps him make decisions. Yes. Let's run through some of the decisions that Tim has made. Not been recently. good, have they? So he voted leave. Yeah. And bad then, decision. Bad decision. And then perhaps even a worse decision than voting leave, he was the he ran Andrea Leadsom's campaign. <laughs> he did. And in fact was instrumental on Andrea Leadsom's March on Parliament. <laughs> a million man march on yeah. Parliament. And um in fact, my favourite phrase from politics for some some years, Leadsom for leader. Leadsom for leader. Is Tim's phrase. He was he was saying that and, and sort of swinging 
his fist. I can think of a couple of other uh, political stories, moments where uh, baths or, or baths, if you're a southern listener. Yeah, they had no idea what you were talking no. about until you clarified that. No, no, Moon Man. Moon just sounded like two moon men, two robots talking. <laughs> so I could, uh, there's obviously a, there's a, a few. What, is there? What, yeah, come on. All right, well, the obvious Famous one political is Church- baths. Well, Churchill liked a bath. Right. He would work in bed first thing in the morning, actually, but he would, yeah. then, he would then go on and run himself a nice, a nice hot bath and, and slide in. Probably, slide in. He would probably light some candles and eat a flake. <laughs> Seductively <laughs> eating a flake. It's an enduring <laughs> image. Obviously, the most, I was going to say the most famous political bath was Norman Lamont, who was, was singing in the bath after, on Black Wednesday. Ah, yes. But he denies that ah. this happened. He says that the, it was put to him. I, I can't remember who who uh, who broke this story. It might even have been the Sun, but somebody from a newspaper phoned up Norman Lamont's office and said, "How is Norman taking this humiliation? We've had to withdraw from the ERM. It's cost the country three billion quid." And somebody in Norman Lamont's office said, "Oh, he's upstairs singing in the bath." They were obviously being sarcastic. Obviously. Uh, maybe they were, and, it, and but it was just or maybe a bad he was in the bath. Word. Singing, yeah, well, um, he's singing. He denies that he said that. Do you know who um, Norman Lamont's media handler was in those days? David Cameron. It was David Cameron. <laughs> yeah, it was. So David Cameron said that he was in the bath. Mm, something potentially catastrophic and yeah. career finishing. Who would? Who would have thought? From it? David Cameron. Do you know the other one now? The other bath. Let me think. No, although this is absolutely true. I I rang an MP. After Theresa May was on LBC, yeah, to ask said MP if he would change his mind over Brexit, and he said, and there was no answer, so I texted him. He immediately rang me back and said, "I'm sorry, I've just got out of the shower. I hope you don't mind me conducting this interview completely naked." Oh my god! Yeah, that's not a that's not anything good, is it? Uh, no, well, I, I've not never seen him naked. He didn't. It wasn't a FaceTime. No call, but you could imagine mm. it was the it's the imagining, isn't it? Well, I don't think he needed probably to tell me, but not really. You know. But maybe Steve, you've obviously well, you've well, got on your mind is this other bath that you're desperate well, to tell what, me about. Clearly. What is the greatest political love story of our times? Oh, or well, not our times really? To- Tony Blair and Gordon Brown. N- even more than that, I am thinking about. If the, if I said the phrase, what was it? My big ba- my big man in white underpants. Did oh, no. you call him? Yeah, oh, no. and the yeah. shirt was tucked in those underpants. The shirt with his shirt tucked in. John Major and Edwina Curry. They had a bath. Yeah, in her in her memoirs, it said it said that it said that I've written this down here. Um, it said that on the thirtieth of March, nineteen ninety one. What a memory. Sharing a bath, and she and she said the most extraordinary moment was when he asked if I believed in God. Yes, I said, but not in all the ritual. He nodded and patted my back. So there they were, like a bit like um, Kathleen Turner and William Hurt in Body Heat, <laughs> relaxing in the bath, talking about God. Wow, he's got all the chat, John Major, hasn't he? If you want to imagine what this was like, <laughs> listeners of the New European Podcast... You can simply Google the poster for the amazing 1981 thriller Body Heat, which which shows Kathleen Turner and William Hurt lying back, 
face in the same way in a tin bath. If you had time... One of the most erotic moments in all film. If you had time, dear listener, you could even Photoshop John Major and Edwina Curry's head onto that image... And then send it to us. And tweet it to us. That would be tremendous. And you would get a special mention on next week's pod. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Your first 13 issues of The New European are only £13 when you join us and become a subscriber. Order by telephone by calling 01858 438840 and quoting Podcast One. Or order online at our website, www.neweuropean.co.uk. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Welcome back. I'm joined by Jerry Scott. Hi, Jerry. Hello. Jerry's particularly angry this week. In fact, the anger levels are higher than I've seen them <laughs> this morning. Um, so I, my apologies if this gets a bit ranty, but it's a good subject to rant on because I think we've seen a ratcheting up of hard Brexiteers in the last few weeks since conference coming out and saying that it's all going to be fine and we needn't worry and it it almost feels like when you tell your children everything's going to be okay. It does. Um, I I don't know how much time you spend looking at memes on the internet, Richard. Well, I'm the subject of many a meme. Hilarious. Um, (laughs) There's this one and it's from from this webcomic by this guy called uh, Casey Green. Um, and it's this dog surrounded by fire drinking this coffee. It's like, this is fine. Yes. Everything's fine. It does feel like that. It's exactly like that. Yeah. It's exactly like that. And there's this really weird mindset, isn't there, that stubborn, hardline Brexiteers like John Redwood, like Boris, like uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg, like Bernard Jenkin, have got this almost unfathomable optimism that everything is absolutely fine. You see, I, my issue with these people is... It just seems to be everything will be okay. Yeah, and this is happening at the same time as, you know, there's been that uh, delay to the debate on the Brexit bill. Yeah, that's a big deal. That is a big deal. And things in Brussels seem to have ground to a halt a bit. Absolutely. Both sides are preparing for a possible no deal. You've had leave for leave saying that we're inevitably going to leave without a deal. All the evidence points to things not being great, yet um, this kind of group of people are overly optimistic um it really feels i think like we're really rapidly hurtling towards this cliff edge it seems like a strange one because i i got the feeling that i get the feeling from number 10 that theresa may is trying to soften this and he's trying to rein it in yeah do you think that this is why we're getting this more hard line view from the from the bonkers brexiteers because they're concerned that the prime minister is not as in on this as she might have been at lancaster house yeah i think so i think so and it, i i think the difference is is whilst Theresa May, using this cliff edge analogy, would kind of, you know, look over the edge first, look what's going on, wear a parachute. Yeah. These guys, they don't care. They enjoy the adrenaline rush of throwing them over the side yeah. with absolutely no safety net. Now, of course, these are MPs are well paid. They, they work a lot of hours. Yeah. I'm not suggesting they don't deserve their money, but they're, they're well paid. And the likelihood of people who are earning 75 plus thousand pounds a year being hugely affected by... A Brexit cliff edge is fairly minimal, I would suggest. Yeah. Um, whereas for you know single mum with no job, so but, real people are worried about this. Yes. Business is worried about this. Yes. But a small group of mad Tory MPs. 
Well, let's take let's take one to begin with. Yeah. Um, John Redwood. Yeah. Did you see him on the BBC the other day? I did see it. Yeah. He was there. The red sky from Stormophilia was behind him. Big Ben was all clad in scaffolding. It looked a bit like the aftermath of a zombie apocalypse. It did. Or War of the Worlds. Yes. Brexit day. This is what modern Brexit Britain looks like. <laughs> um, but he's got this. <laughs> weird cheery optimism that if it wasn't so deluded would almost be enviable i wish i could be that optimistic when things <laughs> yes. were going wrong in my what, life what meds is he on absolutely you know the office of budgetary responsibility have said that economic forecasts for the last seven years have been overly optimistic and he just tweeted that the treasury should be should just be fine with that just fine just find the money just find the money for um a successful economy post-brexit he said and that's obviously what we've been doing wrong. We haven't been looking uh, down the back of the sofa. Yeah, big sofa. We haven't looked in that big vodka bottle that your mum keeps all the change in. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's just this willingness to not... Well, it's the experts thing, isn't it? Sick of experts. Yeah. He's denied that we're going to have to pay the EU any money in the divorce bill. For God's sake, we will. We're obligated to. And and it's right that we do. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, what kind of message does it send to the rest of the world if Britain isn't me- isn't paying its bills? Absolutely. You know, we're obligated to those for liabilities that have been amassed whilst we were a member. It's pig-headedness to say, well, we're not. We're above that. We don't have to pay. Yeah. And then, you know, you've also got him giving empty assurances that all is going to be fine if we leave without a deal. It's going to be absolutely fine. Completely fine. Yeah. There's no backlash for that, you know. But there's no, ba- there's no basis of why it would be fine, you know. No. There was the, um, the Resolution Foundation report that was out this week that said mm-hmm. up to three million families face an extra £500 a year in, in bills if we had WTO tariffs. Absolutely. And there's also, you know, all the stuff about... Um, the amount of food that we grow in this country and how yes, we're not going to grow enough. <laughs> grow some more. <laughs> Just grow some. It's all right. Well, I'll tell you what. Last time, of course, we had to grow more food and we uh, carved up the country's parks into allotments. Was in the midst of World War II. I was going to say, he's talking about dig for victory yeah. here. <laughs> so that is what they're basically saying. Well, and, you know, that's not the first time that a Second World War analogy has been used. We need a blitz spirit about mm. this as well, don't mm. we? Um you know, at the same time, you've got Boris. Boris is telling Theresa May, apparently, that whatever she takes to the table in Brussels is too much. We're giving away too much. Mm. He said that we shouldn't send a penny to the EU as well. And Angela Merkel has actually said it's Boris who is slowing things down. Yeah. Is this that these are people who are used to having things on their terms and just think that that's how life is? Well, that leads me to my uh, my next subject, Jacob Rees-Mogg, right. who I think probably is used to having... Yeah. Everything well, he would send terms. Nanny to do the negotiations Absolutely. on his behalf, wouldn't he? If, I've got a vision of this poor woman changing a nappy on the negotiating table. She'd probably do a better job. She would. She'd probably bring sandwiches as well. She would. I, I think this is an idea. I like it. Hit out of the Treasury as well and uh, said their pessimism about Brexit was a weak period. And do you know what? I feel really sorry for Philip Hammond. Yeah. I actually do. He's there trying to be a bit realistic about the situation, and then there's Brexiteers, left, right and centre, calling for him to be sacked. Yeah. Um, Lord Lawson, for example, called it sabotage. It just seems like they'd rather be blissfully ignorant to me. Yes, heads in the sand. Absolutely. There's, um, also an, there's also something else going on, which I hinted at last week on the pod, but there's also something else going on whereby these people think that they can, they're manoeuvring towards a leadership. Yes. This is going on. Yeah. Whatever you hear from um, 
from people within the Tory party saying that there is there is no chatter about how long May's got and, and what happens next is utter nonsense. Mm-hmm. The truth is that the majority of backbenchers w- are happy with the status quo, yeah. but there are people, Boris, um, other people in that hard Brexit wing who are worried that Theresa May is, has, one, got no power, mm-hmm. which, you know, that is her own fault. Um, two, you know... Steve and I talked about earlier about the um, universal credit vote, which yeah. makes them look ridiculous, yes. frankly. And I think they feel that when, not if, when Theresa May falls, and these people are very keen on this to happen before Brexit now, they need to get their man from the centre. Their man is Boris. Yes. Um, and giving him a clear, different agenda mm-hmm. on Brexit than, than the previous leader had is their way to win the argument in their opinion. So I think that's why this is hardened since conference. I agree. But for me, the problem with that is that, you know, there are all these various surveys and I know you've got to be a bit careful what you what you kind of weight you give to things, but there have been a good few surveys now that have said if there was a second referendum, Remain would win. Look, we're not getting a second referendum. No. But... If that means you're putting someone like Boris front and centre, who does seem to be against the flow of the majority of people, I think it's a worry. Um, and you can see that these hardline Brexiteers are against some majority flow. Jacob Rees-Mogg, um, he actually insisted that young people are going to love Brexit. We're going to mm. love it, he said. Mm. And as 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 a young person, <laughs> a bit of a spoiler for you, on the whole, we do not love Brexit. <laughs> No. I cannot speak for every young person, no. but when we're told we're going to learn to love it, when we realise what it means to be in charge of our own future, it's not only patronising, as if we don't understand what's going on, but it's a bit of a bitter pill to swallow when we all try to be in charge of our own future by voting, mm. and people like Jacob Rees-Mogg screwed up for us. Yeah. It'll all be fine in the end, listener. <laughs> Jerry, thank you very much, as always. Brexiteer of the Week. Welcome back. It is time, once again, for Brexiteer of the Week. Steve, take it away. Well, let's start with... I mean, you're getting very exercised. You get very exercised earlier on about the Tories' disrespect for parliamentary procedure. I tell you what is really annoying me at the moment, and and it's more, it's enraging me, is this habit that the hard Brexiteers, the headbangers, have got for saying that people should be charged with treason or are close to treason just because they disagree with with Brexit. Um, Julia Hartley Brewer, who's a ludicrous figure anyway, has has said this in the last week. Uh, I think the Daily Mail have kind of alleged it too when Philip Hammond dared to have uh, a lobster dinner with uh, with um, with George Osborne. The, the, the guy that I'm... I mean, I'm not amazed because this is the... You know, it's the, the kind of stance he's got. Is is uh, Trevor Kavanagh, who is the former political editor of the Sun, he's still got a column in the Sun. I thought this was absolutely disgusting. He wrote uh, that Philip Hammond was open. This is a quote: "Open to charges of high treason uh, for his handling of Brexit." Uh, he said that the Chancellor had, I'm quoting again, a surprisingly seedy reputation for double-dealing and treachery. If that wasn't bad enough, of, of saying that he, he was open to charges of high treason, 
there was a, a there was a, a, a cartoon which accompanied this piece of Philip Hammond going to the gallows. Of course, the last person to be tried for high, convicted of high treason in this country is Lord Hall Hall. Uh, William Joyce, who was hanged, so we're suggesting that the Chancellor of the Exchequer should be hanged for high treason because he doesn't believe in what you believe in. Um, I find this revolting. It's a, a, a terrible, um, a, you know, the lowering of political discourses is, is is amazing. Let's get on to Nigel Farage, ah. who is a f- idiot. <laughs> You look ridiculous, Hillary Clinton, he tweeted this week. Nigel Farage is a man who looks like a human <laughs> white Freddo bar. He is a nicotine-stained man-frog calling somebody else for looking ridiculous. And he also said, the rumour that is that she wants to run again in 2020. That's not the rumour. She's not going to run again in 2020. Don't be stupid. No. The rumour is she wants to run again in 2020. It's time for her to recognise that it's over. <laughs> Nigel Farage is a man who does not recognise it's over. He has failed to become an MP in 1994, 1997, 2005, 2006, 2010, and 2015. I think I've missed one out. 2001. 2001. There's so many. Uh, plus, Nigel Farage's life's work is either not going to happen, uh, not going to happen at all, or it's going to happen and then be so abysmal that it's going to be overturned very quickly. So, Nigel Farage. I mean, talk about the pot and the kettle. Chris Grayling. I saw Chris Grayling on Andrew Marr. He said this is going. This was always going to be a long and difficult negotiation. Did anyone honestly think we would walk into a room with the European Union, shake hands, and do a deal in half an hour? He said. Well, some people did. Well, they did, yeah. So, can you tell me who that was? Who was that that bold person? It was Chris Grayling, yeah. wasn't it? Sunday Politics, February 2016, (laughs) he said, of course there will be a free trade agreement and it will take a relatively short period of time. Amazing. Um, So a total flip-flop from from Chris Grayling. He wasn't the only one. He wasn't the only one, was he? But the Brexiteer of the week, the first thing he's ever won, and frankly, the only thing he'll ever win, well, it's the second thing he's won, because he he did win the captaincy of the Titanic, which is uh, the UKIP leadership, is Henry Bolton. Um, this was He's UKIP's new leader. Now, there are many rules, aren't there? Uh, there are many rules about interviews, you know. I think one of them is never allow yourself to be dragged into a discussion during a, an interview about which woodland creature you could strangle to death. Well, you see, I, I, We've both interviewed lots of people in our careers, and it used to be my first question, but everyone's wise to it now. Yeah, they are, yeah. The, it's just, it's it used too, to have the element of surprise. It's a, it was a gotcha... Yeah. question not so long ago like but, Ian Dale's uh, yes. how, how would you vote again but it's a good 10 years since anyone's been caught out Henry Bolton said on Sky he was asked on Sky News live on Sky News and he said the one the initiation ceremony that was most suitable for me was chasing a badger across Dartmoor capturing it and then breaking its neck with my bare hands um, <laughs> not a great thing to be quoted as saying <laughs> is just, it uh, I, I've got this vision of him chasing right across Dartmoor. Yeah. Not just 10, 15 metres. Miles and miles and miles yeah. of Dartmoor. Well, he's a former military man, well, isn't he? Well, is. he is. I don't doubt he could do it. So he will, I, I will find you and I will kill you, he what? would say to that little badger. The only thing is, I reckon just before he caught it, 
David Davis would have sweeped in <laughs> <laughs> and beaten it to death with his fist. Yeah, because he hold can, me back. He can kill a man. He can kill a man. Yeah. <laughs> so Henry Bolton, scourge of the badger. The, the serial colour of badgers is, is the Brexiteer of the week. Thanks for that, Steve. Um, we decided this week on social media to ask you guys if Brexit was a band, what would that band be called? Article Fifty Cent was. Was, was, well, that was our suggestion, wasn't Fairly it? Fairly lame, wasn't it? Although yeah. I did titter at first, but there's been some better ones. Quite a lot of people said... Um, a lot of people said madness, didn't they? Lots of madness, lots of simple minds, yeah. lots of dire straits, yeah. which are your three favourite bands, of they course. They are, yeah. So, yeah. Um, They're in constant rotation. <laughs> um, I liked the, open brackets, racist, close brackets, undertones... <laughs> That was the racist uh, undertone. The racist undertone. That's good. That is good. That was Simon Pugh. We had quite a few, but I'll give Bob Rashley um, the thumbs up for this one. I think he was the first to get in there. The Brex Pistols. The Brex Pistols, yes. <laughs> Dearth, Wind and Liar. <laughs> is that Earth? That's worth Earth, Earth, Earth Wind, wind and, fire. and Fire. That's that's pushing it, isn't I it? Know, who, I like who, the pushing Who did that ones? one? Uh, that was uh, Steve Lee. That's from Facebook. Daft Leopard. Daft Leopard. That's yeah. good, isn't it? Don, Don Church sent that one in. And John Parkinson, I like this as well, T-Brex. T-Brex. Which That's was a bit good. like the Brex Pistols, isn't it? I did, I, there was um, There is a few more. Oh, this is my favourite. Um, Pablo Mars, Cliff Jumper and the Sados. That's good. That's good, isn't that it? That is like good. Cliff Richard and the Shadows. Yeah, yeah, you see, oh, you're getting it now. It's good, it's good. Uh, this one will have to be bleeped out, but use your imagination... <laughs> Andy Sanderson, the Boomtown <laughs> It rhymes with rats. Yes, it does, yeah. Um, this is good as well. Judy Slater, Manic Downing Street Screechers. Oh. And they could all go on tour together. They could. And Judy Slater has come up with the name of the tour, Red, White and Blue Wedge. That's good. Hey. Well, we've got the, there is a large tour bus available with um, <laughs> a is. large red tour bus. I've got uh, some from Twitter here. Tevez and his mum. I, I don't think it's actually Carlos Tevez and his mum. Uh, nonsensical manoeuvres in the dark. Oh, um, Carlos Tevez and his mum share a Twitter account. Johnny Diamond said the Charlatans, which is which is good. Yeah. Darren Leafley. Bendy Banana Rama. That is good. Thank you. Oh, Darren, this is Darren Leithley as well. Oh. Will of the Rural Village People. Uh, so that is very good. Uh, I've got Colleen Avril, half man, half Brexit. Good. Which is good. Uh, a good uh, a good mention for them. Toby Barrett sent us quite a load, uh, quite a few. Earth, wind and set fire to your economy. Good. Small country. Oh, good, Not big yes. country, small country. Ian Boyle said the Inhuman League. Richard Lyle said talking head cases. Andy Wash. Andy Wash said limp Brexit, which I thought That's was good. particularly good. Limp Brexit. Uh, Ian Wilson paid tribute to the late Gord Downey. Uh, instead of the tragically hip, uh, Ian has gone for the tragically shit. <laughs> and uh, my favourite of all, Chris Drew, Blue Passport Cult. Oh, good, yes. I like that. Thank you very much. Please do send us tweets, get in touch with us on Facebook, and you too might be have your name read out on the New European podcast. Imagine. Imagine the that. glory. 
that was the new European podcast. Thank you ever so much for listening. It really does mean the world to us. If you haven't already, go out and buy the paper. There's lots and lots of good stuff in there. It's not just politics. It's not just Brexit. It is culture. It is art. It is music. There is a particularly good piece on Bruce Springsteen playing in East Germany before the fall of the Berlin Wall this week, which you really must check out. Next week, I won't be here, but Steve will be. the bath. It's a pissy bath then. It? it is a rubbish bath, yeah. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.